Hey, this is Daryl Etherington, and I'm here with... Jordan Crook. And... Anthony Ha. And it's the Glad Gang getting together to be happy and talk about content. Original content, specifically. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And we're going to mix up the format a little bit this time, um, partly because Daryl is just so excited about Black Panther. Um, So we are going to have the news recap uh, that we do at the beginning. It's probably going to be a little shorter than usual. Then we'll do a quick review of this new Netflix series, Babylon Berlin. And then we will also do a review of Black Panther. So two reviews in one episode. It's crazy. It's a double feature. And Daryl didn't see Babylon, and I didn't yet see Black Panther. So we got a little uh, relatability if you haven't seen right. either. So yeah, we did that. So there's basically one person on who did podcast. all the homework. Someone takes the <laughs> listener's Anthony. perspective. It's like it's by design, right? We did this yeah. smart. How do you know that we didn't do our homework by missing those things and trying to relate to the listener? Yeah, it was like hmm? a double double around strategic. You're not the only A-plus student, Anthony. So. <laughs> That's right. We should just start doing episodes where we don't watch the thing we're talking about. We'll just, you know, be like, what, what do we think this is probably like? Who knows? Yeah. Let's look at the key image and, and decide. Dissect and we have title. to express really strong opinions about the stuff we don't watch, too. That is basically how the internet works. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're winning. Um, uh, all right, let's okay, get so started let's with, start the with the news. Um, I think oh, the first thing geez. we wanted to talk about was Ryan Murphy signing an exclusive deal with Netflix. Uh, Ryan Murphy, who is like the creator and usually like showrunner or co-showrunner on Glee, American Horror Story, American Crime Story. Um, he's got like a, he's basically built up, the, like, he's kind of like at the point that, that Shonda Rhimes was at when she sh- signed with Netflix last year where she, you know, he's kind of built up this little mini television empire. Yeah, even, so he also has 911 on Fox, which is I guess more traditional fare compared to some of that other stuff you described. Because I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know did about Scream him, Queens to be on Fox before this news came out. I You're saying nine one one is more mainstream than Glee? Uh, I don't know. It's or like American a cop show. Story? Glee was like Glee was popular, but it also freaked some people out because they were like, "Why are all these people singing? What's going on?" Whereas nine one one is just like, "Oh, it's a cop show," you know, like it's pretty. Yeah, generic. cop shows, totally, totally. But yeah. well, okay. I didn't know who he was until today. <laughs> Until just now, before this call, I feel so. like if you've watched Glee or American Horror Story, his name is familiar. It's one of those names, like, um, well, I mean, Judd Apatow, everybody knows, but like the makers of Friends, you're like, where do I know those names? It's like, oh, because you've seen that name pop up on screen like, uh, thousands of times without realizing what it meant. I've never seen American Horror Story. I did use, I watched, used to watch Glee. I didn't watch it throughout its uh, airing or tenure, but I watched at the start. Um, yeah, I watched. I mean, like I think Glee was one of those shows that people watched at the beginning, and then like the ratings really trailed, like dropped off pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Well, you can only go so far, and it was like probably one of the most inconsistent television shows ever, like plot wise. They're like, oh, Mister whatever his name is is like a horrible choreographer, and then like by episode three, he's like created these amazing dance routines you're like did you just leave that plot line behind like it was just a lot of inconsistency there for people who are like sticklers for that but either way obviously ryan murphy has created a name for himself and has some major successes in his past and it'll be interesting to see what he kind of tackles first because i feel like his shows are pretty there's a pretty good variety in there you know yeah um well, when you see somebody who does something like, uh, like even Glee for a network show is very signature, right? Like it had a signature feel. And then American Horror Story is that like X a thousand. So um, usually, and what um, what Shonda Rhimes talked about when she joined was Netflix was like, oh, the, the best part about it is that the, all these constraints about the creativity are removed. So I wonder if like, if you just see something that's like American Horror Story, except to the max, now that he has maybe even fewer. Although we also hear that like Netflix is a little bit um, more traditional than it has been in the past. I think right when it comes to like giving notes and giving guidance, as opposed to being like I don't know, do whatever. We'll be here. Yeah, yeah they probably don't care that. like if an episode is like 40 or 50 minutes, you know, if it's 40 minutes versus 50 minutes versus 60 minutes, but they probably care if they think it's going to be like an entertaining and accessible show. Right. Yeah. 
Well, and I think what's interesting is like Ryan Murphy is like plays with format a lot, you know, like the the actual um, way the show is shot and the way that it like tells a story. And if he goes too wild, that could be something he gets notes on. Do you know what I mean? So we'll see. If it like becomes like so weird it's unwatchable, then I don't think Netflix would like that. Does mm-hmm. that make any yeah. sense? I think the other thing that's interesting about the deal is just um, so when when Shonda Rhimes signed with Netflix last year, the the deal was it, basically it was like sort of an industry observer who's estimated I think that it was would be basically about a hundred million dollars, which um, uh, it, it didn't sound like that was a hundred million in the story. No, so Rhymes, yeah, Rhymes, Rhymes was a hundred million. That. Murphy was oh. three hundred million. Which yeah. is, I mean, one of those oh things where, God. like, on the one hand, you're like, well, I don't know, that's, like, a crazy amount of money either way. Um, on the other hand, I, do I think that Ryan Murphy, like, is three times, like, the, uh, you know, his reputation and career is three times that of Shonda Rhimes? Right. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think Not I even think remotely. Little, yeah, like, exactly. The inverse is true. Yeah, because, like, even, like, we could say Glee versus Scandal, right? Like, Scandal is just as preposterous plot wise like in the latest season i kid you not the plot was the dad who was the former head of like the secret cia was upset because his daughter took away his dinosaur bones because he loves dinosaur bones and threatened to kill her best friend but didn't kill her best (laughs) friend because of his dinosaur bones cool that was the plot like utterly preposterous and yet that show has maintained like a, a deeper following throughout its tenure than Glee did. Like I just find Shonda Rhimes to be far more impressive and far more like notable name than Ryan Murphy. But maybe I'm selling Ryan. It's not that Ryan Murphy's like you know trash or anything. I'm just yeah, saying right. that those numbers seem very inverse. It like always feels a little iffy when you start comparing people on the relative merits of their creative works when they're like both tremendously successful, right? But yeah, I mean, exactly. in general, I agree with you. I think. Well, I mean, which is why be... it's hard when you put a numerical value on it. Because then you're like, yeah. wait, but why? Like, you know what I mean? You want to know the explanation for why this number is three times that of the other. But yeah. Right. Well, and it's one of those things where in, you can say, like, in general, these things are not really, uh, you know, quantifiable or, or anything like that. But then, or, or that, you know, it's very subjective. But then on the flip side, it's like, oh, if we like then in aggregate look at it and say, why did this person, you know, these people who are coincidentally all women or people of color get paid this amount? And then why did these white guys? So in this case, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, a very small sample size. So it's hard, hard to say. But um, it is I think it did raise a little a few eyebrows. Yeah, I did well, see interest- a thing. Somebody had a tweet about like it was a quote tweet where the story was who's next for the exclusive deal with Netflix or whatever and they had like a montage picture with just a bunch of a mosaic of like a bunch of faces of potentials I guess that are in talks and they were all just older white men and then the the text of like the person tweeting was like I don't know some old white dude basically right (laughs) well I mean it'd be interesting I'd like to know what the so it says it's a multi-year deal with Ryan Murphy I wonder if there's a length difference between Murphy and Rhymes that might yeah they don't specify how many years these multi-year deals like maybe Murphy's in for five years and Rhymes is in for two or something you know what I mean yeah that's true I feel like Rhymes is also at a like not a she's I feel like her career is maybe newer you know her big time career is a little newer than Ryan Murphy, so maybe she's she d- wouldn't want to sign away so much time to Netflix as Ryan as Ryan would. I don't know. That's yeah. just like that's literally pure speculation. So yeah, I mean, and again, this is just speculation. But another, I, th- I think another difference is that Murphy has tended to be involved in a, in more shows, and then there's some shows that he's like clearly the showrunner or the close showrunner, and like writing and directing multiple episodes. Um, and there are other shows where he's basically he puts his name on it as a producer and presumably is involved, but isn't really the creative force behind it. And so um, I could imagine that potentially that three hundred million is for his, you know, ultimately it's for his production company. It's not just a payment to him. Um, and so potentially that production company is just going to be making more shows than um, you know Shonda is going to be doing uh, at you know with, with where I think it, it tends her operation just seems a little bit smaller right now. 
Yeah. Cool. Um, I think we did some really so, good speculation that whole time. We definitely speculated the hell right. out of that. Who knows? Who knows? It could also just be totally messed up. Um, but, you yeah. know, Shonda Rhimes, I think, also is going to be completely fine. So I don't feel too bad. I also think that's just, like, the more obvious answer is that, like, white men get paid more than black women. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, without, right. no like, gave accusing me any Netflix of, of that, that's just, like, a truth. Do Where's you know my what I'm hundreds of millions? Yeah. Where? <laughs> you old white dude. <laughs> I'll call oath. See what we can do for you. Um, so yeah, there's. A, I think the other thing we wanted to talk about news-wise was a slightly less exciting piece of news, which is that Carpool Karaoke has been renewed by Apple for season two. I don't know why you're saying it's less exciting. If anything, I'm more excited. It's more exciting in that this is garbage, and it's exciting oh. to be excited about garbage and Apple throwing money at really shitty, dumb things. So that's exciting. you know. How- People are like, normally people are like, here's something in life that I'm dreading or not looking forward to. Here's something in life I don't really care about. And here's something I'm really excited about. Mm -hmm. For Daryl, it's like, there's something awful coming up and I am amped about it. (laughs) Like, I am so excited to hate this thing. Like, what is that, man? I feel the same way, to be honest. Yeah, oh see? my god, the love to hate <laughs> thing is your right. is your go to. It's your modus operandi. Um, I'm more excited to talk about things that seem terrible than things that make me just go meh, whatever. Right? Yeah, for so sure. So you're trying to tell me that you haven't fallen down like a YouTube hole. I'm not talking about new Apple carpool karaoke, but I'm just like talking about original carpool karaoke, like 12 minutes. If you YouTube you your your involvement in the podcast. Uh, has come after my lengthy tirades on James Corden. So I feel like it's time to revisit Daryl's yeah, hatred of James Corden. Yeah, let's talk about it because I don't <laughs> understand you hating him. What, what, why would you hate him? He's like not really a... He's, he's awful like, and not funny. <laughs> and He's like the new British Jay Leno, but like in an even more God. like generally palatable like gross like nothing of any kind of interest all edges rounded off uh, varietal like the worst the worst like just so he's generic is that the if you need to throw something at somebody that's like don't don't worry he's not going to offend anyone and and there's nothing about him that is special or interesting or or should be on television then this is the guy right it's like he is the oatmeal of comedians but in a way that is irritating because his mannerisms and his like, uh, I mean. Well, that's why his shtick isn't like stand up where he's up there alone trying to like bring out some personality. His whole job is to be around other people and bring Yeah, but then why out. is he himself such an annoying character? Like, it's like, I can see him being sort of a, he, like, it's wrong to call him beige because he is himself annoying. He's like. It's, it's like if you walked in and, and somebody had painted their feature wall like puke yellow. And it's like the puke yellow is always there present as a background note. But like, why? Why have you done this? This is the thing that you need to look at every day for the rest of your life. And you've made it Do this gross, like disgusting. Do you like Billy Eichner? I like Billy Eichner quite a bit. So a you lot. think Billy Eichner is like the the good version of James Corden essentially because I mean, that's what that's Billy a, Eichner does too he talks to people yeah, and like that's brings their personality comparison. out and it's fair and I do think that I agree but I just James Corden is annoying and pathetic and gross and when he does his like shtick where he's in the car is so mealy mouthed and like celebrity loving and gross that I, I can't take it I can't take any of it he's like oh look how cute this is oh it's like no it's not precious Get away. Get off television. Go away forever. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you so, feel so strongly. So, like, I don't I don't like love James Corden by any stretch, right? But, sure. like, I don't feel the same passion in hating him at all. <laughs> but I, I, what I like about Carpool Karaoke is, like, the Miley Cyrus episode for me is still, like, number one. Because, one, she gets in the car and you, like, she is, has a f- stunning freaking voice. Like, she... Has an insane voice. And there was a part where James was like, I'm going to name times in your life and you're going to tell me how stoned you were during those times. And he was like, the VMA performance where, that everybody freaked out about. And she was like, zero. I get really nervous. 
when I'm on stage, like I don't get high before I go on stage. And he was like, when you were shooting the film for Wrecking Ball, the video for Wrecking Ball, and she was like 13. Like I was as stoned as I could possibly be. And knowing that makes it so much more fun that she was stoned flying around on a wrecking ball. Like, I don't know. I just like getting to know the celebrities in a more comfortable setting. Like the car part. The car part, yeah, where they're like singing their own songs and you hear them like, you know that those songs they've sung like thousands of times and so they like change them. So it's not the version of it you always heard because they're like so bored singing that version. But they sing it a different way, and you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's kind of okay, because I do like when people do different versions of their music in the performance versus recording. I appreciate that. But, like, yeah. I don't need the whole dressing around it. And the other stuff you talked about is a, is mainly about, like, making these people more relatable, and that's, like, not something I'm down for either, because it's like, I don't care. I don't care about the relatability. That's not... Well, I don't think that do. Miley Cyrus was high on a wrecking ball makes her relatable <laughs> to me because I've never been in that situation. But I will say that like just hearing that because like when you go do an interview on a late night show, for example, like these celebrities, they're so worried about what they what they have to say and what they might say and all this stuff. But because this is taped in like a little closed environment, they like I feel like they open up a little bit more and because they're like singing and it's supposed to be fun and because James Corden is able to be like, ah, I'm not, I'm no threat to you. Like, I'm not going to get you in trouble here. They actually like open up and have fun and they maybe even get themselves in trouble. But like, I don't think they've ever gotten themselves in real trouble. I think that's the illusion of his garbage construction. Whereas like somebody like David Letterman admitted to like getting in a car wreck. Yeah, but nobody cared. But like David Letterman used to do actual interviews that actually like destabilized and like provoked his interview subjects and also made them but that's not what this show is for but the show is for nothing the show is for garbage it's for it's awful wait okay so let's maybe like back up for a second like so we're talking about the whole carpool karaoke idea and like the the version that was on the james corden show has anyone actually watched the version that's on apple music no No. you have to pay for (laughs) apple music to watch that I actually uh, do that's, pay, I mean, I, I guess that's my objection, it. right, is is that I think carpool karaoke is a fun idea, but it's fun. And even when I, so, and Jordan, you were asking about, like, falling down the, like, YouTube hole and just watching a bunch. And I would say even when I watched the Corden versions, they were, they always seemed a little bit too long to me. And I would kind of jump around and be like, oh, this song I like. Okay, yeah, that's good. And then, oh, I don't care about this song. I'm going to jump ahead three minutes. Okay, yeah, that was good. So, I, I like, even then they felt a little too long. And now that it's been turned into this, you know, basically a half-hour show, which James Corden is in sometimes, and sometimes it's just celebrities paired with each other. I have very little interest in, I mean, I have essentially zero interest in watching, which is why I have not seen it. Yeah, it does take out even that ingredient you were talking about, right? Like, if it's just two of these jokers talking to themselves, they have no interest in getting themselves to admit anything interesting, right? I know, but like, okay, let's get off the whole admit anything interesting, because that's not the point of the show. It should be like mindless entertainment, which is what it is. And 30 minutes is far too long. Far, far too long. Is it 12 minutes, minutes is fine. On Apple Music? Is it? I don't know. None of us have seen Wait. it. <laughs> 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 but like 12 minutes to me is fine. And I will say though, a lot is dependent on the celebrity. Like the Usher one was super boring. Like, the only interesting part was when a guy recognized that it was Usher singing Yeah in the car next to him and was, like, freaking out. That was pretty funny. Um, but, like, other than that, that was boring. But Adele was amazing. Like, Katy Perry wasn't so good, but there were parts where she was clearly annoyed with James Corden. Like, clearly, clearly annoyed. And he kept getting the words wrong to her song. And that was funny. Like, watching her freak out. Oh, that out. actually makes me want to watch it. Watching her freak out over the difference between, like, of and and was, like, really, really funny. Um, So, yeah, like, a lot is dependent on who they get. Like, what's the dude who is in Game of Thrones and sings all the sad songs with the guitar? Oh, James Blunt? Is it James Blunt? No. No, red hair. Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Sweetheart. Ed Sheeran. I like so that the first boring. thing you said was Game of Thrones. That's that's not necessarily my that's first association with that. Uh, yeah, but like I don't <laughs> care about Ed Sheeran. So like when he was on Game of Thrones and everybody was freaking out, like I care a lot about Game of Thrones. So that's just where my mind goes. But anyway, I think a lot is dependent on the celebrity. I think it's stupid to pay for it. It should be one of those things where 
like you like I said, like you get on YouTube and you watch one and you're like, hmm, I wonder who else is on this thing. Like, what other celebrities do I want to hear sing? And just kind of go from there. What? You don't think those hardworking creatives should be paid for their work? What they've done is they've taken celebrities and then put them in a <laughs> car and then given them a song that they already wrote and then made them sing it. So you see, it's very, very challenging from a creative perspective. You are so salty. <laughs> Drink some coffee. Have some oatmeal. Gosh. I don't know. I also don't know why I became the enemy. Like, hate James Corden. Hate the carpool karaoke. I, I don't just care can't, what you I hate. can't direct my rage at them specifically. Like I know, but I'm not a representative. I'm just talking about it. Like, get off me. I, I also think what's interesting about this news, though, I mean, again, not having seen the show, is the fact that you know, I think there's this narrative around Apple, right? That they had um, Planet of the Apps and Carpool Karaoke. Everyone hated them. No one cared or either hated it or didn't care. And that was sort of their first abortive attempt at, you know, doing video content. And then everything else, you know, all these crazy other announcements about Ron Moore, Reese Witherspoon, and, you know, uh, you know, amazing stories with Steven Spielberg and Brian Fuller. That was all supposed to be sort of like the next chapter and the ne- and a new start for Apple. Yeah. And it seems like, no, no, one's going to kind of blend into the other, and maybe there'll be these high-profile scripted shows, but there's also going to be dumb stuff like Carpool Karaoke. Yeah, I think it really does make me rethink what their strategy is. Cause I, I, and me and you definitely assumed that, I think, in past podcasts, where we were like, oh, this means they're like, leaving let's shut off this foolishness of our youth and move into a serious business right but now it seems like no no we want to be like cable basically we want to have everything that you could possibly want under one roof like you can get your dumb fluff here you can get your serious drama your half hour comedies and all of it we want it all there in the service also like it has to be said that planet of the apps and carpool karaoke as first runs like uh, uh, as like the you know staple of the brand of like what apple will do with streaming is so detrimental because like netflix's first original series was house of cards like that puts this stamp on everything they do even if half of it now is shit like people are like but we still believe in netflix because they put out these amazing shows right from the start and like I don't know, there's just like a lot of eroded faith for me with what Apple has to do because that early stuff I feel like was so, like Planet of the Apps in particular was just like not worth watching. And this is someone who like cares I like write about apps for a living and I was like, get this away from me. I mean I, I do think, you know, there are definitely other examples of T V stations or streaming streaming services like Hulu had other series before The Handmaid's Tale. You know, HBO existed for many years before it did the Sopranos. AMC, you know, had other you know, did you know, existed as a channel for a long time before it did but Mad was Men. Something else to give. Like Hulu had right. The Bachelor the next day and like all of these big shows the next day for you to watch that had a reason to download it. Like HBO had all of the movies, you know? Like yeah. there was a reason they existed. Like, Apple is essentially saying the reason we exist is for these original things we're doing, but we're bad at it. But right. keep trying. Well, yeah, and it was just the fact that there was also just so much conversation about, I mean, so much speculation and reporting around Apple's content plans that I think that it created this sort of heightened sense of anticipation so that when it came, we're just like, oh, oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, and they could go. I, they get another chance, right? Like they've managed to do a good job. I think. I, I think that the the one benefit they have is that that was such like a half-hearted launch. Like it was like it didn't really. As much as there was hype around it, the hype wasn't self-generated so much. They did a bit of marketing and pushing around it, but they didn't really do um, a crazy. It's not like amount. they were out there with like some campaign or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, people were just like, oh, it's exciting that Apple's getting into content. Let's get excited about that. So I think that if they put a big marketing push behind this new stuff, and it sounds like they're generating a lot of it that's actually quality, that'll be good. And then they'll still have their dumb little karaoke things, which maybe will spin some attention their direction. Uh, and it's a good way for them to like... Because there was something about them wanting to make like Apple Music more of a video destination and having more like music videos and stuff. And this works for that too, in the same way that like Spotify's sessions work for it. Uh, yeah, and potentially 
Car- I mean, and we, we, we just don't know at this point, and, and I don't know that Apple even knows for sure, but potentially Carpool Karaoke could be something that stays in Apple Music, and then when all these scripted shows that are being announced launch, that that's a whole new service and app that launches, and so it, it may be com- you know, completely separate. Yeah. Did you guys ever watch um, Political Animals? No. Oh, yeah. The, the Matt Smith show, right? Yeah, with Sigourney Weaver, I think. Oh, oh no, no. I think we're thinking of different things. Yeah. Um, I think... Well, Gosh, what was the the one I'm thinking of? Was let's see. You always like name the creator first, and I'm always like, yeah, sure. Oh no, no, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Party Animals, which is a British show about politics. Okay. Anyway, what? let's talk about Babylon Berlin. Okay, <laughs> let's do that. Now that we spent ten minutes on a show that we haven't seen, <laughs> and then briefly mentioned some other phone show. And didn't provide any context for it. Sorry, I just like I was looking at the House of Cards stuff, and political animals came up as like a people also searched for. Uh, and I remember watching it. Like I watched it on a long plane ride to like Berlin or something, and it was actually like okay. And so I was just wondering if you guys saw it. Jeez. Jeez. Um, we're here to talk about TV. Like, cut me some slack. That's right. Okay, so Babylon Berlin. Um, some context is that I believe it, it was basically a you know a TV show that that um, aired um, in Europe, uh, and it takes and, and then it's sort of it's one of those things that's sort of a Netflix original because it's not. I don't think Netflix really was involved in the production, but basically is the exclusive distributor at least in the U.S. and um, and it takes place in Berlin in the late twenties, and it's basically a kind of murder mystery or not a mystery sort of a crime mystery that then bleeds over into this political conspiracy story yeah i've seen four episodes so i i haven't really gotten to the well i guess we've gotten somewhat to the political stuff and i will like just start out by saying that like my understanding of world war ii and beyond is like pretty solid but like pre-world war ii russia germany relations to me is like I, I I can't speak on any of that with too much authority, but I will say that the show itself is like pretty compelling. Like I really like the characters. Um, I think the we're we're following a couple different narratives. There's a narrative with a with a guy who's an inspector or detective. There's a narrative with a girl who comes from like a poorer family, um, and then there's like the Russia narrative and. I'm I'm really invested in all of it. Like I I want to see it. It's visually like insane. It's really beautiful, especially like the the big club scenes and stuff are really awesome. Um, and for like a period piece, it's re- it's really well done. Like the everything from like the cars to the way that people dance and uh, the clothes are all like really awesome to see. You like feel very part of the moment. Uh, so I'm 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 a I'm a go for this in a general sense. Yeah, I I liked it. Um, I thought the the look more than anything. I think you're right. Like there's this um, this like burlesque club. Uh, I'm not sure what's but basically like a nightclub that I just think is like really you like see it and you're just like I want to be there. I want to go and I want to party there. There and you know just like everything has this sort of beauty to it, even though it also looks kind of. Uh, the other thing I like is that it captures some element of just like the grubbiness. And the sense that, you know, technology and sanitation and things like that were not as advanced back then. And so people sometimes lived in, like, really crappy apartments. And, I mean, there's, like, you know, a, a really crucial scene involving an outhouse, uh, which yeah. is horrifying. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I feel great. <laughs> it's all, like, just really well done. Um, and and I think the acting is is really good. I mean, the, the lead... Uh, inspector, this guy, uh, I think his character's name is Garion Rath. Um, he is kind of, you know, one of these guys who just looks kind of moody and angsty the whole time, and I'm not you like, know what he super looks into like? him, but I feel like the rest of the characters I am pretty invested in. He reminds me of the guy who plays the youngest brother on Wedding Crashers. I've never seen like, Wedding Crashers. gay things, Whoa. mom. Anthony's never seen Wedding Crashers. How have you not seen There's a lot of like cla- you know, popular and classic comedies that I've never seen. I, I've You're never seen Animal House until two days ago. You're so I've never snobby. seen Animal House. Anyway, well, <laughs> that's what he reminds me of, that like look of like kind of emo 
like a little, like he's kind of a tiny guy. Anyway, that's not important. I, I agree with you what you're saying of like the, the cuts from you'll like one second, you'll be watching a scene and like a tiny, tiny little flat that's like really dirty and dark and everybody in it is like gross and kind of like dirty and they're pulling out like a brown sausage out of a little like handkerchief, dirty handkerchief. Like mm-hmm. that's what they're going to eat that night. And then you'll go from that to like this burlesque club where they're like, you know, the towers of like short champagne glasses being topped off at the top and people are just grabbing them and sipping them, and dancing and flirting. And it's, it's a, it's a cool picture to paint of, you know, Berlin in the twenties going from one extreme to the other. That sounds interesting because I think that a lot of the portrayal is like of Weimar Germany is like, oh, it was the, and that's what it is, I think, right? But that is that it is like an idyllic period, like an idyllic pre war period where everything was great and everybody had a great time. Um, so it's interesting. Well, I mean, they have it, both sides it couldn't have it. been perfect, right? Because no, 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 they're no, still I think it's coming off of World sides. War One, right? Yeah. With like a lot of poverty and like joblessness, et cetera. But it get it gets mythologized as this like pre fall time before Yeah. They got into all this dumb Nazi shit. So Yeah, I mean we were talking about um offline uh cabaret, which I think is in some ways the sort of like canonical depiction of that period and, and, and the whole arc of cabaret is is this sort of not necessarily utopian, but sort of very sort of liberated period which then gradually darkens over time as more and more Nazi and fascistic stuff starts to creep in. This doesn't quite. I mean, you can obviously you, you, there's elements of that, but I think it's it doesn't quite follow that arc quite as neatly. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to and see. In, in just, fact, I was, go ahead. I was going to say I was reading an interview with one of the creators, Tom Tickver, um, and he was saying that they were they want one of the things they wanted to make sure of was that you didn't watch the show and feel like they were constantly like kind of nudging you and saying because Nazis are coming, get it? Nazis, Nazis, no. they. Wanted to wanted it to feel a little bit more subtle than that. Yeah, because like, at the time it wasn't it that, gets there. that way, but, right? Like it's like only with the benefit of hindsight do we know that, and it's a little bit cheap to kind of. Keep Anthony, nodding. how many episodes have you seen? I only saw two. Two. Oh, so I'm further along than anybody. Yeah, you're further along. Oh, okay. So yeah, like I don't. I, I, you could tell that we've gotten hints of like political. There's definitely like a lot happening politically. Um, but they're diving more into like the Russian side of things with that. Like, I still have no, like, I, I, it's interesting that he was like, we don't want you to be like worried necessarily about when the Nazis are coming, you know, like, don't try to focus on that. It's not like necessarily going to hit you over the head all the time. But I find myself like being like, well, can you give me a hint though? Like about it? Like, can, can I learn some more about it? Like, what is, when, when is that going to happen? Like, are we ever going to see Hitler? Like, I just like find myself kind of wondering about it. I'd like to finish the season and see if it comes up more. I also wonder if to what extent the show is really made primarily for a German audience who presumably would just have more of the historical context than we do. And to what extent it was made with this sort of, you know, global audience in mind where where you need to sort of explain more things. Because it feels to me definitely much more like we're not going to explain a lot. You're just going to have to keep up. Yeah, there's very little context. Like, they're talking, like, right, there's a plot line with Trotskyists, right? Like, you know, being in Berlin and trying to overthrow Stalin or fight Stalin. And, like, you, you know, you can infer based on what you know about, like, the Trotskyists versus the Stalinists, right? That, like, that, you know, what's going on. But at the end of the day, like, how that all works in a grander scheme of history, I, like... I just wish that there was someone who was like, this is what is happening right now. You know, it's like a lost after show or something. Well, it's because, yeah, it's a show that really makes you want to like Google stuff as you're watching, but you can't because it's subtitled. And so every time, and I think Jordan and I both had this experience where you think you can like understand it while you like look away for a second. And then actually you can't because obviously neither of us speaks German. Yeah, I was like on my computer and we were watching it, me and my girlfriend, and we had it on the big screen. And I'm like, dude, I'm pretty sure I know German now, like just watching the show. Like I can totally understand everything they're saying. And then I like go to write an email and like, wait, so what did he say, babe? Like I just like have no idea actually what's going on. I find myself on the Wikipedia page for like random 
historical stuff in the 20s in Europe and miss like half the show. So that's not going well. That's good that though. Whole learning German <laughs> it's, thing. Ed, it's promoting education. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it will spark some renewed interest, especially for like the American audience. Our history is so cheap over here. Our history education, like, unless you got really into it, or maybe it was just my history education was cheap. But I feel like we touched on all this for like a day when I was like in eighth grade. I think. Yeah, I would say my education was just. It was really focused on Amer- you know, nor- you know, United States history and world history is like sort of very quickly, you hit like the Cliffs Notes very quickly and that's yeah. it. And so it's I like, felt like I was very ignorant about a lot of this stuff. Not to mention like the history in the U.S., the way that they teach it is like so propagandized. It's like, how are you actually supposed to know what went down, you know, like. Yeah, like, I mean, I think that's stupid. They spend a lot of time on it, but it's Germans with the were fighting, skew. you know. And you're like, okay, cool, thanks. That helps a lot. Did you guys just see um, Sarah's headline for the carpool karaoke thing? It no, is good. it no? Yeah, she just published it. It was. Was it get excited about carpool uh, karaoke? It was. Sorry, Apple's carpool karaoke gets the second season. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. It's good. I didn't tell her to do that either. She just did it because she knows oh. that it's bad. Everyone yeah, well, you know, bad. other people have their own opinions too. Mm, so I haven't. Just like I, a I don't mind share that. with you. I, don't, I have no. <laughs> you were you were the original <laughs> hater of carpool karaoke, Daryl. <laughs> a pioneer. Uh, anyways, anyways so I, will you finish Berlin? <laughs> do you think? I, I'm going to watch it uh, based on your discussion of it. I've, I'm now. I'm more excited about it than I was before. I think I Although suggested Daryl, watching you were it. the one who initially was like, we should watch this show. <laughs> yeah, I was, that's right. Yeah, and I was actually like not amped on it at all. I was like, man, I'm going to make me watch like a subtitle show about like old school period piece thing. Like, I don't want to do this. And I got really into it, like pretty much instantly. And when I watched the trailer first and I was like, this looks stupid. Like it, the trailer, I feel like does not, for those listening at home, like I don't feel like the trailer does it justice. It's very like trippy. Like, the trailer feels on drugs, you know? Like, and not that the show doesn't feel a little bit on drugs, but, like, the show makes more sense, I feel like, than the trailer does. The trailer doesn't give you any information. It's just, like, madness. One other thing that might interest uh, some of our listeners is if you are a fan of Sense8, um, Tom Tickver, who's one of the creators of this show, um, was also a director on Sense8 and also worked on with the Wachowskis on Cloud Atlas, a movie that not many people love, uh, but he, d- he does have that connection to that world. And then he also, on his own, directed a Run, Lola, Run. Cloud Atlas, which features Tom Hanks' most beloved role. <laughs> three, three to four of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I will say, though, before we finish on Babylon Berlin, like, there are some really subtle things that make it, that, like, really make the experience and pull you into that time period. Like, something as small as when an episode begins, you know, in, like, old school cartoons and movies, how um, there would be, like, a circle that would close in or out of the the shot, you know, to, like, open up the scene, like, start on an eyeball and, like, open up. They, like, do little things like that that just make even in the formatting or like from the intro to the first scene make you feel like right there in that moment so i'm a big fan i think it's cool i'm gonna finish it cool good cool Cool. Um, should we move on to black panther yeah yes and for some context daryl and anthony decided yesterday that we were going to talk about black panther Mm -hmm. and i've not seen it yet that's right. So I will say, Daryl decided yesterday we should see Black Panther, and I was just trying to, you know, structure a show that everyone could participate in. That's all. No, oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> I'm glad that we decided to do that. I'm just like, it's not that I didn't want, I don't want to see Black Panther. I do, but I just didn't have time within the 3 p.m. when you said let's talk about Black Panther to right now to do that. So yeah, I think tickets were sold out here long ago. I bought them the day they went on sale, as I do for every Marvel and Star Wars movie. But, yeah. Anyways, and Anthony got to see it special, the special way. That's right. Um, And, you know, definitely everyone should go read my review on TechCrunch.com. Yes. 
There's nice 800 plug. words, I believe. <clears throat> right? Are you just auto word counting everybody's posts? No, Anthony shared that on Twitter or something. Oh, I tweeted it because I, I tw- when I first saw the movie, I tweeted, like, Black Panther is absolutely amazing. And then when the article came out, I tweeted, here's an 800-word addendum to that tweet. So bizarre. De- whatever. I'm not even going to get caught up on that. So let's talk about the movie then. What? Tell us... Tell us what's what is it what it is about. I know it's a superhero movie. Yes, Daryl, you want to take this? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so superhero movie. If you recall, he uh, Black Panther's character was introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe with um, Captain America: Civil War, where he appeared because. Uh, well, it's, I mean, the original Black Panther. Yeah, Black Panther. Dot one. I, it's not a spoiler now at this point, but like his father, the king, was speaking at a United Nations thing and then was killed in an explosion. So, and that prompted kind of like a lot of the main dramatic action of that movie in terms of Bucky and the search for Bucky and tracking him down and stuff. Um, but pretty stellar introduction. I think a lot of people really enjoyed uh, his role there and, and like the. I, the scenes with him in it, I guess, and the character, and I think they had already agreed, like settled on that they were going to do the the right. This was all on the roadmap already. Yeah, but um, then yeah, then now he's got his own movie, which came out um, officially today when we're recording this Friday. But the, all the early advanced screenings were Thursdays, since they do that thing now, where really the day that it comes out is actually the day before it comes out. Um, and then yeah, so the the main plot of this film picks up right after the events of Captain America Civil War. Uh, so T'Challa, who is Black Panther, has returned uh, to Wakanda, and Wakanda is a secret nation state uh, on the African continent that has super advanced technology because they are in possession of this unique, rare material uh, called vibranium, which was uh, part of a meteor or basically something that crashed to Earth in this one specific locale. And it's allowed them to make like huge, huge leaps, technological leaps uh, beyond anything else in, in the world. And, but they've kept it all a secret, basically thinking, oh, well, let's just like keep this to ourselves and be insular. And then that way people will just think we're kind of a nation of farmers with relatively low technology levels and leave us alone and we won't bother anybody and they won't bother us and basically that's the best way to do it um and so this is at this crucial juncture where t'challa has come back he's next in line for succession for the throne uh but he still has to like kind of prove his worth and face potential challenges from uh other tribes within wakanda i think there's five tribes is that right anthony i think that's right yeah. yeah Uh, and then, yeah, and then he has to kind of consolidate power and secure power and make sure that the transition is smooth. So that's the potential for a lot of exciting things to happen. And that's kind of what the movie is concerned with, what happens with that changeover and uh, uh, a compelling figure from T'Challa's past or from Wakanda's past coming back. And yeah, that's the, the main action of the film. Does stuff happen outside of Wakanda, though, or is it like pretty all going down among the tribes or is there stuff happening? Cause it looks like there's stuff happening from the trailer and stuff outside of Wakanda. Oh, there is stuff happening. And so a lot of the action does happen actually in Wakanda, but there's the, uh, the, the kind of plot gets started because, uh, just as soon as he's returned to wants to go back out to chase down this guy claw, who is a arms dealer who we've seen previously in the Marvel universe. Uh, played by um, Gollum. What's his name? <laughs> Andy Circus. Andy Circus. Played by Andy Circus, not doing mocap for once, just being his actual human self. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, he plays like this pretty shitty guy <laughs> who's a South African arms dealer, uh, specifically with like high tech weapons. And so he was responsible for a theft of like uh, Wakandan vibranium. I think decades ago, I think in the sixties or something like during, uh, I think in the, I think it was what the English was supposed to be the the nineties, right? Cause that's that, there's that opening segment oh, yeah, like, that was in the nineties. That's right. Okay. And that was when that happened. I forgot that. Which those is also decades ago. Like, yes, that's right. 
time, eh? What it's almost thing. 2020. Yeah. But yeah, so he, um, they find him, he pops up on the radar, they want to go chase him down to get revenge for this thing that happened years and years ago. Basically, he's like the only person who's managed to get in there, uh, steal a bunch of tech, and then get out and kill people on the way out, too. So he's like public enemy number one for, uh, for Wakanda. But yeah, so that gets into what's going on outside. And, and then the history of why, of how he did that in the first place and who he did that with is a, another key plot point uh, and one that occurs mostly outside of Wakanda. Got it. Uh, but our, um, our colleague, uh, Henry Pickovit was very excited when I told him that, and this is not a spoiler, that so, there's, so if it's mostly Wakanda, there's this sort of um, excursion to Korea but then it also like jumps. There's also some scenes that take place in Oakland, California. So oh. uh, if you're if you want to see Oakland, yeah. see Black Panther. Yeah, although it's not like they're like, it's like it's like scenic view used, of Oakland. They used, they used one location, and whether <laughs> yeah. it's actually there's like in, two days of shooting or yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. <laughs> whether it's in the, it, it was kind of like there's actually a portion too in South Korea, in Busan, and I think they actually went to Busan for it because they cite that in the credits. But, like, you wouldn't know. Like, they could have just done it all on a soundstage somewhere or, like, in any city. I don't know. It, it seemed a little... Yeah, and, I mean, it's, it's one of the things about these Marvel movies. Um, I mean, I think it was sort of most notable in, in uh, the second Avengers movie, but I think it was true in, in some of the others as well, is that they have this sort of globetrotting feel, which is cool and is fun to see these different locations, but sometimes it can feel a little bit like they're sort of checking off a list so that they can be like, see, this is a global movie, like... People in different countries, you should come see this. I, I don't think that here, it, I mean, it, it definitely, like, I don't know that it had to be Busan. It could have been a bunch of other places, but it, um, it you know, it, it works organically in the story, too. Yes. Yeah, no, I didn't so think it was bad. I just thought it was, it was like, oh, were they actually there? Like, when I saw that credit, I was like, oh, wow, I guess I didn't, like, I didn't think either way, right? But yeah, it wasn't like a huge sweeping location shots and all this stuff. So where would you put this in your rankings of Marvel movies? Oh, it's the best one by far. Because it's like actually a good movie. It's not just a good Marvel movie or a good superhero movie. It's like a so good, then, compelling movie. Ranking it on all superhero movies, where would you put it? Oh, well, that's easy because there's no other good superhero movies. Like <laughs> Marvel has the best superhero movies. DC's movies are all hot garbage trash. Without exception, it, even like I don't. The old Batman's are fine. They're very, very self serious. But like the old Batman's being the middle Batman's, like the Bale Batman's. Right. Um, but this is yeah. I would say nice. that probably I you know there's probably a cluster of uh like top tier superhero movies that I might rank differently depending on my mood on a certain day, which would probably include you know Wonder Woman, The Dark Knight, Logan. Um, the you know the the original Christopher Reeve Superman and I would say this is you know definitely on that level um, and and I could definitely make I think you can make a very strong argument this is like the best superhero movie that's ever been made yeah I forgot about original Christopher Reeve Superman that I should not naysay all DC movies original Christopher Reeve Superman is very, so I'm gonna say something kind of controversial but like I didn't really like Wonder Woman I thought it was okay <laughs> I didn't like it I, like there was a it had a lot of flaws in terms of its um, like the villain and like, yeah, there there were parts of it that were bad. There there were parts of it that were just pure fun and good. I also feel the same way though. With as you enjoyed. Well, and I think that also gets it. One of the things that's maybe a little bit challenging when talking about both of the Wonder Woman and Black Panther is there's a degree to which you know it's exciting just purely from a representation point of view. Um, and just to have like a big action movie starring a woman that did so well and, and doing, you know, starring the iconic woman superhero is exciting. Then you kind of try to take that, separate that a little bit from saying, well, to what extent was it actually a great movie? I think, I think Black Panther is better than Wonder Woman. Um, but you can still have that argument of, obviously a lot of why it's exciting is even if it was just a good Marvel movie that happened to be 90% black actors, black characters, that would be amazing. I think it's also just genuinely a really good movie. Yeah, separate yeah. from that. See, like, yeah. I feel like with Wonder Woman, like, even from, so, like, even from a representation standpoint, 
And I know that, like, because she was from wherever, the island, Lesbos or whatever. Uh, the mascara. Uh, yeah, whatever. She, like, <laughs> uh, you know, was, like, kind of ignorant to the outside world. But mm-hmm. she just felt, like, really lost the whole time. And I was like, this is our female superhero. Like, she's just lost all the time. Like, she doesn't know if up is up, you know, like I just was like kind of bummed by that whole thing, but I am hella excited about black Panther because like people can't say enough good things about it. So I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I think I will say also on that front, one of my friends asked me, um, which movie get out or black Panther, like hates white people more. And my response was that get out is a movie where white people are monsters, but in, but Black Panther is a movie where white people are irrelevant. Yes, exactly. And in some ways, I found that a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, I think that that and I, so. Uh, well, Get Out was also like purposeful—a purposeful statement. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, but this is also—it's just—it's—it's it's a different statement, and the statement is like right. you're not even. It's not even. It's not. Who cares? Like it's like it's it's it, it is like Anthony said. Like even more. Uh, of a more radical of a statement in some ways. In that it's like we don't even it's not who gives a shit about any of you about any white people at all. But Right. I mean it's like the difference between like I mean a horror movie that's trying to reflect the horror of the real world and a fantasy about like what if we could just be like screw all this other stuff. Yeah. 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 But it's also great because it's like it's they don't even within the Marvel universe, like they don't pay any kind of like tribute to like Captain America or any of that shit, right? It's like like <coughs> the best the, 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 I mean, Martin Freeman is the main white character, and he's basically like, uh, all right, you can hang around, and maybe you have a couple redeeming skills, but you're basically irrelevant to this whole thing. You're basically like a a bit of comic relief that's here to like uh, reflect how little we actually do care about this side of the equation, I guess. Yeah, and I, I mean, so... Also, I think, Daryl, when you were trying to set it up, I mean, it does tie in a lot to the larger Marvel Universe, but they do an amazing job. Because I think, I mean, they must have known that this is a movie that people who haven't kept up with every single Marvel movie is are going to see. And so it, it, it works very well as a standalone like story. Like, if you know, go in knowing nothing, except maybe that, you know, T'Challa's father is dead, you're fine. You're like, yep. it, 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 you know, all that backstory is there, and I think it enriches... Um, the, the the movie if you've seen some of the others but you don't need to see any of them in order to see this one no you don't and then there's some uh, I, this isn't spoilery but like because you all everyone knows that Marvel movies have after credit scenes so that that kind of like there's a bit of tie in to the broader universe there and that's all I'll say about that but that's really the only thing stop spoiling things Daryl jeez <sighs> I spoil <laughs> it I spoil it um, the whole movie's ruined god yeah I think I but like while you're on the subject of like how do white people figure into this? I think that the other thing is like, cause I've, I've actually had discussions internally with this. It's like, how does America, cause people, I, I don't know. Some of our non American or non North American writers are saying it looks a little bit too America centric, which to me is mind boggling. I don't really see what you, that. I don't see that from looking at the, have they materials. seen the movie, but if no, they haven't seen the movie. They're, they're saying based on the preview materials, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do see the movie, it's actually very, not at all. There, there's nothing America rah-rah about this at all. And the one of the key, and I don't, I, I don't know if we're going to talk spoilery at all. There's something about it that we can talk maybe later. There's a key element of this where they invert like a traditional view of America's relationship to the rest of the world that is just so fantastic and delicious and is really. It, 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 the opposite. It is not like a America rara. It's the opposite, and I like it a lot. America boo boo, kind of, yeah. Right. Well, and it's certainly. I mean, it's colored by, you know. I mean, and, and it's and it's an American filmmaker. I mean, director slash co writer and, and a, an American production company, and it's colored by obviously, at least for for us, like you know, or for me, bringing in you know the baggage of race relations in the United States, and and I think that is uh, you know something that you it's a lens w- through which you view it but at the same time most of the story has nothing to do with that yeah yes yeah it's like an action movie like a really good right. action and it's movie. well and it's also about creating this fantasy of what if we could set as much of this baggage aside as we could and and when i say bag i don't mean to trivialize it but just to say like 
what what would that look like if we if we if you know if that wasn't a factor black but, people uh, were at the same time it's dealing with, it and a, with like, this in a really head-on like hard way that it's really i i, don't, I think that's incorrect because i think like a lot of the stuff with the villain and a lot of the stuff with like right the identity that's what i mean that, of like i think it's like that the first part of the movie which is just about t'challa coming to the throne in wakanda is about uh, it is about it's this about sort of fantasy, fantasy yes. of isolation and leaving that behind. And then when the character who's played by Michael B. Jordan enters the story, part of his role in the story is to bring all that real world stuff into yeah. it. And it's very heavy and very messy, and and but dealt with like super well in that they took a really complex, really difficult subject and treated it fairly and didn't give you any easy easy solutions for it either. Uh, despite the fact that it's a friggin' power fantasy superhero, right? I'm gonna, like, I think one other thing that's worth go see it. Yeah, right please. Do. <laughs> you should just leave right now. <laughs> and we should, I mean, I'm out. Like, Bye. I bought tickets. I'm going. <laughs> it's also just an amazing looking movie because it it it's definitely like this mix of this sort of like heavily sort of traditional ritualized culture with these like crazy colors and costumes and um and then this like high tech sci fi stuff. Yeah, it's um, unlike. I mean, any... I think people have talked about it as this sort of Afro futurist mu- movie, yeah. um, which isn't a, mov- a movement that I know that much about. But I think that seems like uh, like one of the main things it's drawing on. And, but it just it looks amazing. It doesn't look like any other movie I've seen. Yeah, it, yeah, I think it it has precedence, and they're like uh, I'm just mostly ignorant of them. I think for obvious reasons, but like the it is like unlike anything you see in modern movie making. Uh, I think for most of the mainstream audiences that are going to be watching it, it's just like it, it's fantastic, and it, and it does the comic like from having read the comic, like the comic sometimes achieves that similar level of like design excellence, um, depending on who's drawing it, right? Which is always a huge variable in in comics because it changes month to month sometimes, but um, but it's yeah, it's really a treat visually too. Um, and then, I mean, since we talked about Michael B. Jordan as the villain, I mean, I, I do think, I mean, and, and this is not an original observation. I think he's the best part of the movie. Oh, he's so good yes. in this movie. He kills it. He is fantastic. And I did see there was an article today about like um, him uh, doing trivia, like with Tra- Chadwick Boseman about how like about the character and how he knows so much more about it. And the, in the article, they were like, maybe <laughs> he should have been to challenge. It's like, well, I mean... <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I kind of feel the same way, but like you know, everybody did a great job, and he was he was great in that role because of that role, right? Not because of uh, he is a great right, actor, but part of it was the role. It's I mean, there is an element of I mean, he's a great actor. I mean, Chadwick Boseman. I think in some ways, T'Challa is the much harder role to play because he's got to be the sort of like noble, like reserved king. Yeah. Um, and then you know. Uh, Michael B. Jordan as uh, Killmonger, which is such a dumb name, um, gets to be like the just like the angry, like the righteously angry person. Did you see how they credited and him, it, by the way, in the end, the character name? No, I didn't see that. It was Eric Killmonger, as though Killmonger was his last like name. Like his last name. Oh my god! <laughs> I didn't even do like Eric Killmonger. You know, like in quotes with his actual no, yeah, because he did have another <laughs> last name. I forget what it was. Like they mentioned it in movie. Oh, someone made a typo. Yeah, it was funny. But yeah, I sorry, I interrupted you, Anthony. I think you're right, though, that Chadwick's role was, was harder in a lot of ways in that it's a much more um, reserved, even keel. It's it's more traditionally, it's like the hero role. It's like you. this is the guy who you want to clearly locate your sympathy yeah. with. And well, I'm sure in a lot of ways of it, it has just to be the, more subtle too, right? Like you can't yeah. be quite as extreme. Like it's easy to go to one extreme. I didn't see it obviously, but yeah. I think it's easier to go to one extreme as an actor than it is to like show multiple things quietly, you know, and in the background. So. Yeah. But I still, th- I mean, I still think he did a terrific job too. He had a good way. And in general, this movie had a good way of like, um, without venturing into the recent Marvel Marvel trend of like being absolutely just goofball, it it did a good job of like giving you moments of relief Fun. and and uh, reminding you that like you know there's serious issues at hand, but it's also a movie that doesn't take itself too too seriously. Um, it it did a really good job of balancing that out with 
and partly due to him and like his ability to not really like he him mostly in that he was great at reacting to some of the the other characters including um his sister i don't know the actress who played his sister but she's also fantastic and and like a good source of comic relief and their interactions. Yeah, she's great. the actress from. Um, she was in Black, Black Mirror. Mirror. Yeah, the, the uh, last episode of the most right, recent. Let me see season. if I can. Uh, Letitia Wright. Yes, that's right. She was in the Black Museum episode. Yeah. What a good episode. Yeah, she's the main in that. Ben Jordan, if you know. That's something I've seen. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jordan, do you have any more questions for us about Black Panther? Anything else we can tell you? <laughs> it's hard no. to say that much because it's mean, just so good. And it's like, it's good in every way. There's not really, like, obviously with anything, you can quibble here and there. But I think more than any other, and it's, especially if you're comparing it to something like uh, Wonder Woman or to any of the other, like, excellent movies of the the Marvel stuff just in general, like the the top the peak of the Marvel ones like I feel like I have less to complain about uh, it, this movie than any other superhero movie I've seen recently maybe that'll change maybe it's just like the benefit of being so close to it but definitely well and I also think like there there's obviously a massive audience that loves these Marvel movies right and we'll go to each one on opening day and and, and you know freak out about it and be excited about the next one blah 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 but there's a lot of people like i don't really care about the marvel movies like i'll watch them on a plane maybe you know or something but like i just i and i don't really care about action not action movies but i don't care really about superhero movies that much like i never really have even when i was younger and this is i feel like one of those movies that like is a blockbuster period do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's just everyone will see it. And I think like, if, if I can convey anything in this and, like, convince people of anything, it's that. Like, it's that even if you've never been interested in these types of movies or if you are facing, as somebody mentioned, like, a Marvel ennui, like, you just are tired of it. This my friend Josh told me this. He's like, I, I just didn't buy tickets because I don't want to see any more Marvel movies. And I, I think that's gonna that's, like, a fairly common feeling now at this point. And it's like, don't like overcome those both of those impulses and go see it because it is not any of those things and it will exceed your expectations in both cases. Yeah, I'm expecting that this is going to be one of those movies that, I mean, a lot of the estimates are it's going to do really well opening weekend, but I think similar to to Wonder Woman, it's going to be one of those movies that just, as mo- there's going to be this amazing word of mouth that's going to spread and it's, it's just going to continue doing well week after week. Yeah, yeah someone called it, I don't know whose review called it this, but Marvel's first Shakespearean movie. And like that's, I, we didn't talk that much about it, the plot, because I don't want to give too much away, but it really is a very complex, like, um, uh, like there's just a lot of like subtle detail in the plot that is not typical of Marvel fare. And I think that Shakespearean is kind of a good comparison. So that's another reason to just go see it if, if you're at all conflicted. Yeah, I don't think the plot is particular. Like you can kind of tell where things are going. There's still like sort of a template that it's following, but it's not the like s- like standard superhero template. Oh no, it's, it's not it's about predictability more... or yeah, or like crazy out of nowhere surprises or anything like that. It's about the complexity of like the emotions involved and and motivation. And yeah. Like yeah. Everybody, go see it. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. That's what I have. All right. Well, I think that is pretty much our episode then. Look at that. (laughs) News, two reviews, all in basically an hour. Like, we, that's that's amazing. Oh, man. Packing it in. Let's just talk now for like 25 minutes about nothing. Did you download Fortnite? (laughs) I did, actually. I did. Oh, my God. And I have a headset and everything. We should play. (gasps) This weekend, for sure. All right. It's a holiday weekend here in Canada. Oh my God! Are family you guys celebrating day. the U.S. presidents as well? Uh, we're celebrating family and all their greatness. That's so much better. <laughs> I was I was watching um, uh, like have you guys seen Two Dope Queens? This is actually original content, right? No, I haven't. Uh, so good, like so so good. M- Maria, my girlfriend, is obsessed with the podcast. She listens to it anyway, and they got a new HBO special. And um, one of the comedians was like. Yeah, I don't really get why we celebrate Columbus Day. Obviously, like nobody gets it. Like, 
but like, why don't we get a day off for Arbor Day? Like, the trees have been pretty good to us all around. Like, <laughs> that's that's a good point. I, I endorse that. Yeah. I agree with. Like, Devil let's endorsed. celebrate trees. I think we should let's get, get a Fat Monday Tuesday for off. That. Fat Tuesday, <laughs> so that people can go get their punchkis. Does everyone know about punchkis? No. Just go Google it. It's spelled P A C Z. Uh, K-I? Okay, you lost me. You lost me with Zed. <laughs> Don't worry, it's um, delicious. All right, so we have a Fortnite date. What What do we have on the docket for next week? Do we have any ideas that might people might get uh, excited about for next week's episode? Well, next week, Netflix is re- releasing that movie, Mute. Right. Um, which we should check out. Um, then, But there's also that TV, like Hulu series that you guys were excited Hard about. Sun. Hard Sun, I think. Hard yeah, I'm, so we got to figure out which one to do next week. I was really excited about it, and now I'm starting to get really apprehensive. I haven't seen it yet, but something tells me it's going to disappoint me. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I I'm wrong. I think you'll like it. I like the premise, but I don't know. It's just something in my gut, you know? We could also, if we feel like it, everything sucks us out as of today. So I... I feel like it's going to So many possibilities. We could watch that. That could be a good episode, you know, if we, I mean, and not to say that we're going to go in with too many preconceptions. I think we are. um, I'm preconceived. Yeah, we are. (laughs) (laughs) I do not want to, I don't even want to do an episode on it, but if we need to, we can, but. And then also like coming up a little bit further out, uh, Marvel's Jessica Jones is March 8th. So hopefully we can get some screeners to that, like season two. That is one of my favorite Netflix shows still to this day. So I really would like to see that. All right, so y- um, there's a it, it, <laughs> there's we'll it could it be out. anything we'll next week. So get yeah. excited. Get excited about if the you mystery. like any of those things. Yeah, like let your curiosity fuel your anticipation. That's our slogan. All right, well, it's <laughs> <laughs> so gross and clunky and like also kind of sexual. I don't know. <laughs> All right, that's enough. All right, <laughs> see you next. Thanks week. everyone for listening. Please, uh, again, oh, we should talk about uh, uh, reviews, which is that uh, we, we don't have a lot of reviews in Apple Podcasts, um, and, uh, you know, we want hey, em. if you feel like reviewing us, that would be cool. Uh, right now, we finally do have a rating, and we've basically gotten one-star reviews and five-star reviews, so we're at 2.5 right yeah, now. Yeah, so I feel like bring up that average, people. You can just yeah. help us bring that up a little bit. Yeah, give us, even if, it, even if it's a three-star, that would be... Bring it up. I mean, honestly, I, I think we're probably rate it honestly. Four like, star. Please rate it with how you feel, because we want to know. But just rate it, you know. Yeah, but the yeah, but good. Awesome. Yeah, like yeah, I mean, Jay, I mean that's good. part of it. Is I think partly just because that we just haven't gotten that many ratings. Like any every vote, like sort of skews it. So if you again, however you feel, um, especially if it's in the four to five range, uh, that would be great if you would cut, rate it, rate us, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, and um, yeah, just thanks a lot. Yeah, we like you. I don't. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.